Hello, everybody. This is Erica. This is Shari. And this is April. And you are now listening to Three Sykes and a Mic. Just as a disclaimer, although the contents of this show may be educational and therapeutic in nature, this should not be considered a replacement for therapy with a licensed professional. If you would like more information on how you can find a therapist in your area, please contact us on social media. All right. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of Three Sykes and a Mic. How's everybody doing? What's up? Hey, I'm cold. It it's is. It's cold. Oh, yeah. It is. It's pretty nasty outside. It is very gloomy. It is gloomy. Mm-hmm. But I got sunshine in my heart today, y'all. Oh. <laughs> Child, I'm glad one of us is carrying it along. Oh, look, I have to lie to myself sometimes to make it through. All right. Because I, I really have been miserable. But oh, no, I totally understand that. A pep talk. Pep talk. No, but doing pretty good today. Today is, is the day of love. It is. It is Valentine's Day 2021. Yeah. We made Happy it. Valentine's Day, y'all. Yeah. I hate Valentine's Day. Oh, yeah, Lord. Yes. I just, yeah. Uh, I mean, I I think love is a great mm-hmm. thing, but just what it's turned to and how like people expectations get set up, it just becomes a whole nother thing. Expectations. Yeah. So even back in the day, like even when I've been in a relationship, out of relationship, it's just been such a like, uh, what do you do? What are we going to do? Um, but I do like giving out those old school Valentine's cards. I, I've still like doing that. Yeah. Oh, cute. Yeah. When they on sale for 70% off. you know, you need off. love all the time. <laughs> Absolutely. And they'll be on sale yes. soon. So better. <laughs> Happy day of love. Happy day of love. And speaking of love, we have the lovely Miss Tamika Staley as a guest for today. So we have brought along um, a friend to the show today to help us talk about lots of different things that I think you guys are going to be interested in. I'm going to let uh, Tamika tell us all about that later. But first, I just want to give her an opportunity just to say hello, introduce herself. Miss Tamika, you have the mic. Thank you so much for having me. I'm definitely glad to be here. And I am a divine Black woman who believes in yes. equity and justice and radical healing. One of the ways in which I embody those things and implement those things in my life and my work um, is through being a sex educator and providing decolonized comprehensive sex education, digital content, curriculums, and workshops for 12 to 19 year old youth and their parents. So I run a youth organization called YASE LLC, and that stands for Youth Affirming Sex Education. It is a organization in which I give workshops and curriculums to youth so that way they can have the tools that they need to affirm themselves in their communities. And what that looks like for me is making sure that they have medically accurate information about uh, sex and things that can happen around sex, including STD prevention, pregnancy, reproductive justice, and also letting them know that sex is pleasurable and, and a source of healing too when navigated in the ways that 
are right for them, the time that is right for them, and when it is consensual, right? So I think that a lot of the times, and in most schools across the country, especially in South Carolina, there are actual laws and policies that prevent sex education being taught in a way that is outside of a, a white Western standard, you know, so black kids, LGBTQ plus kids don't know how sex looks for them. Right. Or, and, and, and are afraid to engage, not even just sexually, but having intimate relationships with people that are healthy, you know, even that are non non-sexual, you know, just healthy relationships in general and healthy relationships with themselves in their own bodies right and i think that that's important sexual health is health and there's a way that creates a, a well-rounded adult and a thriving adult right because if you're well in your in your own self in your own body then that does help you to have a better career a better a life with kids if you, if that's what you desire you know a better work relationship with people because you're in tune with your own body um and it also is a sense of healing from different sexual traumas it's also a part of sexual health and that's something that i talk about a sexual trauma informed care what ways that we can address the trauma that we've experienced or the sexual violence that the youth have experienced so that way they can heal from those things because those things can show up later on in life in other areas and create disruptions and even can form addiction. So sexual health is encompassing of all of those things. And I am here to make a stance and really decolonize the ways in which we have been suppressed sexually in the society, the ways in which uh, our rape culture, because we live in a rape culture, has impacted uh, us and our youth negatively in the ways that they engage in sex and the way that they engage in sexuality and in intimacy, right? Which is not always about the act of sex itself. So, yeah, I am. I'm loving the work that I do and I'm always available for booking uh, organizations, individuals, you know, and, and it takes a village truly to to do this work and to embrace so that way we can continue to perpetuate the, the positive things uh, around um, sex and sexual health and have and have equitable access to sexual health. Right. Which includes condoms and uh, different con- other forms of contraceptives like the internal condoms, uh, dental dam, things of that nature, abortion rights, you know, what does you know, that look like, especially when it comes to teens. So, yeah. So I have to tell a quick story of how I first met Tamika and she may not even remember it. So, you know, when I first moved here, I would see pictures of this, you know, beautiful woman on some of the, um, the restaurants or the lounges downtown and it was like spoken word artist Tamika Staley and I just remember being captivated like wow this girl is beautiful like the the haircut makeup yeah on point beautiful beautiful um and so randomly one day I'm at Whole Foods shopping and picking up stuff and on my way out I needed to use the bathroom and I have my groceries in my hand and I'm like standing in front of the door like I don't want to take my groceries into the bathroom with me but I also don't want to leave them out here and walks out who walks out but tamika yes and she goes like do you want me to hold your stuff and it was just such a sweet thing i said sure she had never met me didn't know who i was oh that's so awesome (laughs) um and yeah so that was my first time actually meeting her that's hilarious i think uh the first time i met you tamika we were like twerking together at karina's birthday party i was like oh yes yes, we got the same dance energy here we go (laughs) (laughs) i miss dancing i miss dancing so much 
Well, let's jump into, since we were talking about just love and love day, I want to check in because I've been seeing on the internet that not just Valentine's Day, but Black Love Day. So today is Black Love Day, and it's a term that was coined back in 2010 as Black Love Day today. And so I just wanted to check in with you guys because there's been a lot of buzz around Black Love and what Black Love is. And so I just wanted to check in to see like, what do you guys define as black love? Like, how is it different than just love? So when I think of black love, to me, black love is restorative. Like, yeah, I think black love is restorative. Um, I think it's different. I think it needs two black people um, for it to be considered black love. Because I think it encompasses pieces of blackness that others would not understand. Um, so it's like when you've had a rough day and your partner just gets it, you don't have to explain it. Um, kind of being uplifted Mm. in that way too. Yeah. So just feeling restored, rejuvenated as a result of being loved properly. I like that. Like the first thing that came to me was corrective. Cause for me, it was like feeling real black love. It felt like a correction of all of the bad or unhealthy relationships that I had Mm -hmm. in the past and you know finding that real true solid black love felt like this is my corrective experience um yeah Mm. I think um for me when I think about just like black love I often don't think about it in the romantic sense um, and that could be because y'all know, I think on every episode, I'm like, I'm single. So, you know, I, I move away from just romantic love. And I think a lot about like the unspoken ways oh, yes, that black people yes. love each other. So like the glances that we give each other when we're in the store or, you know, like the head nods or just the way that like when black women are in the bathroom at the club and they be like, girl, go boots. And you know exactly what that means, you know, Um, just like that's what I think about when I think about black love. It's just like those unspoken, those silent ways that we love each other in a space that doesn't love us. And we don't even have to say a word but you know that it's there and that's how I I how I define it I would define black love as a radical act of resistance black love is revolutionary because it's it's so unique in all the many ways that it can show up you know it's not a monolith and I think often we see that in the in media and on social media and, you know, because our society is very heteronormative, you know, we see the black woman, black man, straight couples, married kids, you know, and all those things are beautiful. That 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 is a way that it can show up, but that's not the only way that it can show up. And that's what I love about it. Like it can be presented in so many different ways. Um, and black love is also can be singular. Like you are your first and number one black love, you know, like I, I'm my forever black love, regardless of there, if somebody is there with me or not. So I, I love that. It is uh, so unique in that way. And the fact that it does break barriers, because when you do uh, have one black person in a room loving on self, breaking generational cycles of trauma, you know, that's already powerful in itself. You know, a lot of things get done. But if you put two black people together that's loving on themselves and each other or more, you know, you know, we have 
people who are non-monogamous and, and polyamorous, polygamous and polyandrous, you know, you know, so if you get more folks loving on they self, they, they know who they are, they're free, you know, they, that's some, that's some radical things going to go on, you know, on a policy front, on an activist front, on a, on a healthcare front, you know, there's so, because there's so many ideas coming together and we know what oppression looks like and we also know how to resist against that we know how to get you know past those things and if, and if we and whatever i don't know you know you can make up where i lack you know and we are able to put our voices together and put our heads together to really advocate for ourselves and and, and black love that that's that's why it's so powerful and, and explosive in that way so yeah black love is 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 everything you know it's, yes. it's vital to to our our being and it, and it and it shows up how you want it. you know you you're in control of what black love looks like to you uh but definitely absolutely black black folks for you know that's the number one thing it, it has to be uh, one or more black people in in a in a in some sort of relationship that you know has some some common goals and and similar thoughts on what thriving looks like to them so yeah that at the basis of it that's that's what black love uh, requires for sure. So, yeah, I'm with And many of the romantic or platonic, like there's just been so much, like when you are in survival mode to just live, it's hard to think about romantic or just love in general. Like even when you think of Maslow's hierarchy, like you got to get safety first. And so in a world that is unsafe, like having that black love is our protective factor. It, it keeps us sane, whether it's the saying A in the club or the love in the bathroom or just, you know, someone saying, oh, you look nice today. Like, I love your smile. Whatever those things are expressions of love, I do think it can, it keeps us, it keeps us going when everything is like trying to make us stop. Yes, yes. That's what's up. Yeah. And I think that's something good to like think about as we because you see it everywhere. You're like black love, black love goals, black love this, black love that. And I think for us to define what that means for us, like Tamika, I love that you said it's self-love. You know, it starts there. Like, what does that mean? What does that look like? Defining that and then moving forward into like being able to say, okay, well, how do I show that to other black people? Um, it's so important. One thing you made me think of, Tamika, then we'll we'll move on because we can talk. This could be a whole segment showing itself is when you said self-love it immediately reminded me of my first time in therapy and I was talking to my therapist about a relationship I had no business being in and I was just I was beating myself up more for being in it than the bad things that happened like I just was like how I can't believe I was so stupid and blah 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 and she asked me well what you got something from it like what void did that relationship feel for you what void did that person feel for you and I always think about that in regards to self-love is that I was looking outside of myself to feel something in, inside of myself. And so even, you know, I'm, I'm single as well. Anytime I found, found myself like, man, you know, I wish I da, 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 or it would be nice to have, I do it for myself. If I want flowers, I get flowers. If I want to travel, if I want to go to the beach, I go to the beach. And I think that is also when thinking of self-love because around, you know, this time of the year, you, you are inundated with examples of romantic love and all these gestures and you can very easily fall into that comparison trap and thinking like man I don't have I don't have so going back to that void and what I have found that has been amazing for me is just do what I want like if I want something I go out and get it I don't have to wait yeah I love that so well, that was great 
Oh, yeah. That's my good question of the week. Bam. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I'm excited about today's topic. Um, We have an amazing guest, Tamika Saley, who is going to talk to us about sex positivity, her her work as a sex educator, and how we can just be more sex positive and, and better educated around ourselves and um, as adult beings who some may be sexually active or just you just need to know, even if you are not. Um, so Tamika, can you tell us about yourself? Tell us about your work, um, about Yase, what was your inspiration into getting into this work? Yeah, for sure. So Yase came about last July. So uh, we'll be one years old in a couple of months. It is so wild to think yes. about that. Yeah. So we became official last last summer, and it was something I just knew I, I needed to do. I've I've always wanted to make a an official organization, official business out of my passion and knowledge for sex ed, and I've been in this in this field since I was a teen so I've been in sex health since my what 10th grade 10th 10th grade year in high school yeah and uh so it's always been a passion and interest of mine and I've done stuff over the years just volunteer based doing certain workshops on college campuses you know at the college that I went to I went to Coker College uh now Coker University at the time and yeah I just was like at some point this has to be bigger than than this and just school kind of was like that standing in the way so after undergrad was grad school and went through that for what seems like so many years (laughs) Uh, and I finally graduated grad school last May so I was like okay now is the time to actually congratulations yeah so thank you yeah and because my my degree is in social work, I knew I had so many different ways that I could go, and I knew that uh, sexual trauma informed care was my base and in, in at for my degree. So, and that's also something that falls under the umbrella of sex health and sex ed. So, yeah, all that really kind of just aligned for me that I had the the passion and the experience and the knowledge in order to. And I love working with young people. You know, I've always worked with youth, even as a youth. You know kids that were younger than me I always work with, with kids and I and I just love it they're, they're my favorite population to work with is, is teens and even younger than that elementary school middle school age I, I was teaching a group of middle school girls uh, last year before the pandemic hit so yeah I just knew like all of that combined I had to make something big to to try to the best of my ability to you know be- before I leave this earth to create a consent culture because we live in a rape culture currently and I just saw the impact that that was having on young people as I was teaching these workshops here and there, you know, they would come up to me and just, you know, tell me how much I helped them or tell me how much they felt comfortable to talk to me. You know, a lot of my students over the years were, were pregnant at a very, very young age. I had a group of girls that 12, 13 years old, you know, exploring sexually and just not knowing what to do. Uh, guys too, I had some non-binary students and some LGBTQ yeah. students that just did not even have the language for what sex and intimacy look like for them, you know, because they don't teach, you know, sex ed in schools in the inclusive way that includes LGBTQ plus teens. So, yeah, I just knew that there was a need to be filled for Black students specifically and those students that just nobody wanted to work with, quote unquote. You know, a lot of my students, uh, they 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 are they come from the streets, you know what I'm saying? They, they're in foster homes. They... 
have all these battles against them that they don't even have the time some of, some of the time to even think about how to engage safely. But, you know, sex is a part of life, you know, and they are engaging and, um, and sex is a healing tool. And it's something that they do need to know how to explore so that way they can become healthy adults. So, yeah, I know I needed to do that. You know, it was, it, it's, a, it's, it's, it's a part of health, like sex health is health, you know. So I knew that in order mm-hmm. to create adults that's going to make this world a better place and thrive and to also help them, you know, I, I needed to to create a space for them. So, yeah, that's that's what pushed me for sure. It's my babies. I called in my babies because I don't have kids and I won't be having any. I am the forever <laughs> cool auntie and, and 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 cool teacher. So that's that's my role for life. So yeah, I love it. I'm gonna I, I love it. I tell people I'm a great godmother. <laughs> amazing. I'm an amazing, amazing auntie. Right. I'm the best auntie ever, yeah. <laughs> Tamika, you um, you mentioned, you know, how, you know, a lot of times the young people will come up to you and, you know, talk to you about how, um, you know, like they enjoyed like listening to you and they felt comfortable talking to you. Why do you think people are so uncomfortable talking about sex, young people and the adults who are supposed to be talking to the young people, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, about sex? Um, Why do you think there is this discomfort and just timidness around having those conversations well I think it's because of the way that our culture is designed you know it's it's intentionally designed to make people sexually suppressed you know that is that is definitely by design you know and there's many reasons why if you want to talk about the religious aspect of it and a lot of conservatism is is included in that Uh, a lot of racism and homophobia and you know sexism patriarchy and all of these things you know included to to suppress certain groups of people from you know having pleasure and and having pleasure in a way that they want you know this is a individualist society that we live in individualist country that we live in and so anytime the individual the the, the power the most powerful individuals have an idea about what something should look like you know, those ideas are forced upon the rest of us and that it, and sex is no different, you know. So for, you know, modesty culture, you know, is is kind of ingrained in us from from birth, especially for uh, black non-men. It's like, you know, you met you have sex when you're married and you have sex with babies and that's it, you know. And somebody decided that somewhere, <laughs> you know, some old white man, I'm sure somewhere decided that that's how it's supposed to be. And we in, and if you've been taught that, you know, it's a conditioning, you know, you, you've been taught something over and over and over. And then you see images and hear words and see signs that reinforce that idea. Naturally, you're going to internalize that and, and, and play that out in life. But as we've seen, what 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 fits for some of us does not fit for all. And it, and it has become very toxic and detrimental. And we're, and we're seeing the impacts of that. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I think that that's why people are so uncomfortable about it just because they've been told to be uncomfortable about it. It's plain and simple, you know? So I, I'm trying to break the mold and help people to unlearn to know that, you know, you can do things on your, on your terms and you have to talk about it. You know, if you don't talk about something, you're not going to have the right solutions and answers to things, you know? And, and you think that we would get that by now to say, Hey, you know, it's a lot of messed up things going on around, around sex, you know, whether, it, you know, it's, 
it's so many things that can go really bad with sex, uh, but so many things can go really great too. But you have to talk, have those conversations. You know, it's just a thing. But yeah, the uncomfortableness is, is there, definitely by design, and it has to also be intentionally undone because it was intentionally put there. So that has to be a choice Absolutely. for adults first to make for themselves because there's a lot of adults that you like you said don't even want to talk about it and very uncomfortable about it. But they have to kind of set that example so they can also talk to the their children and the, and the children that are around them that they're role models for that they're mentors for you know uh, and it, and there is an age appropriate way to do mm-hmm. that you know what mm-hmm. I mean yeah and it makes me think like when you talk about you know the difficulty with people even having those conversations and how it starts with communication when we talk about just having um healthy sex positive identities and relationships with one another it's so hard when you said before people don't have the language. Um, kids don't have the language. Adults don't have the language to even talk about sex in a way that is positive and in a way that is healthy. And so my question for you is, how did you find your voice on this topic? How did you start to give your voice to yourself in order to be able to give it to others? I found my language because someone actually helped me. Yeah, I actually had a a model for what it what it looks like and what the possibilities were when I was in 10th grade I met a woman named India White I'll never forget her and she worked with an organization called the South Carolina Contraceptive Access Campaign at the time and it was basically a campaign to teach and encourage and educate teens on safe sex, healthy reproduction, reproductive rights, condom usage, uh, things of that nature on contraception. So it something that I don't even know how I came up, even met her, but I basically was shadowing her for a, a period of time. I wanted to do some volunteer work and I, I just came across, I don't know if I might have ran into her through another organization that I was doing. Yeah, so I, I, I signed up to shadow her with this particular campaign and she would do monthly meetups with a group of teen girls that were pregnant. So that was that was like one of the tasks that she did in this in this position at this at, with the campaign. So that was like her role. And so I just shadowed her every month going to the sessions with her. And there were other teen girls that were like in schools in the same district as me, didn't go to the same schools as me, but went in the same district as me same age, like black girls that just was like me, you know what I mean? Like they just, yeah. So, and it was refreshing to see. And I had never seen that before. I had never seen somebody talk so openly about sex. I could just see like how they lit up when she came in the room. She was very open with them, you know, gave them resources for jobs and resources for aftercare, you know, research, you know, all kinds of things. And then just kind of poured into them and let them know that even though, you know, what they thought was a mistake, you know, getting pregnant as a teen, that they were still worthy and of love and joy and happiness, you know, and that it's okay to have sex if, if that's what you want. You know, if, if you know, at, at consenting age, you just have to, you know, adjust the way that you do it. So that way you can avoid pregnancy if that's not what you are ready for. It's not what you can avoid, you know, to the best of your ability, STDs, you can, you know, try to be, you know, put some preventative methods. So just like letting them know that, it wasn't a bad that the sex was not the bad thing because they were all just so shamed. They just, they just felt so much shame and so much guilt around it. And I had never had that, you know, I didn't have like 
in-depth sex talks as a child. You know, I, I had the standard birds and the bees sauce, which was good. You know, my mom worked, my mom always told me like, you know, if you're ready, you know, to, to do that, just let me know. We'll go to the clinic. You know, they'll say that. But I was like, I don't know if my mom would have really did that. I never tried it, but you know, she I'm sure she would have known. She's she's a woman of her word. But I didn't have it wasn't in depth. Like I didn't have in-depth conversations, you know, and you know, religion played a big part of that. And definitely my dad, I could never talk to him about that. Like I would just be mortified to ever <laughs> have that conversation. So I was, you know, it was very much like non-existent for me to talk and but I had so many questions about sex and I started feeling urges very early on I started masturbating at nine you know what I mean so you know and I would sneak like my dad's porn tapes out his closet you know stuff so but I just didn't have nobody to talk to about that like I could talk to my parents about that definitely couldn't talk to my older brothers and sisters they wouldn't understand they you know would be mad and I knew that I would get in trouble you know so when I met uh, Miss India I was like wow so this is, and she answered a lot of the questions that I had been, you know, wondering. I was nine. And then when I met her, I was in 10th grade. So you can imagine like the long gap that I had just questions and just, you know, so yeah. yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that because a lot of people, I don't think, no, understand that. I think people think that the hormones mm-hmm. kick in at puberty, but you've got your first set of hormones, those androgens that start around that age, around nine, 10, that, you know, that's, that's the first surge. And so I don't think people normalize that, you know, we're going to explore those things. And a lot of probably young people, you know, masturbated at a very young age and never felt comfortable enough talking to anybody about it, you know, because, knowing how, you know, standoffish people are about even talking about sex or anything related to sex, it's, it it makes it very almost wrong or dirty that you're doing something that's actually very natural and, and you, you don't have control over that. This is your body actually preparing you for that next surge of hormones that's going to come. Yeah, that's puberty. so true. And it's, and it's healthy too. So, mm-hmm. I, and, and that's what I was taught, you know, through the experience, you know, shadowing Miss India. So yeah, she gave me, helped me get the language for her. And I just kind of, and I just fell in love with the the profession. I was like, you know, I didn't, and I didn't even know that people could even have a job where they actually talk about sex, like, and get paid for it. I was, so that was also mind-blowing to me. I'd never seen that, never, yeah, like, it was just not a thing. So right. yeah, that's, that's, that's like, that's what helped me. So I wanted to be somebody else's Miss India, you uh-huh. know, one day. Uh-huh. So yeah, now, now we here. Now we here. Here we go. Started for- <laughs> <laughs> but no, I think like, even as, in that story that you're telling, it's says a lot about the way in which we define sex as as young people and how that impacts how we define sex as adults, right? So like hearing you say, like, I would sneak those tapes, but I didn't want to say anything because at that age, sex equaled trouble, right? I was going to get in trouble. Sex equals shame. I would have been ashamed of like having those conversations. And I think for, for young people that happens or we get those messages so often that as we become adults, we don't have anything or anyone there to help us undo those messages. And especially as a black woman, you know, I can speak for myself around saying I had to intentionally go in and say, 
why are you having these thoughts around sex and shame? Like, why are they in the same boat for you? And being able to think about like where those messages came from and how I continued to carry them as an adult and how that impacted or hindered my ability to have healthy sex relationships. And so, you know, I definitely think you, you said a word right there. <laughs> Absolutely. What, one of the, the, the terms that, you know, kind of kept resonating as you were telling the story about, um, you know, kind of the role model that you mentioned was um, sex positivity that, you know, we kind of hear. Um, can you kind of describe or define sex positivity? And then how would you suggest people start a journey, you know, towards sex positive thoughts, behaviors, things like that? Right. And I love that you asked me that that question because I get that question pretty often and I have a different answer every time. One day I'm going to come up with a, a solid, just one answer. But then I think that's a, another thing that I'm even kind of reteaching and unlearning myself is that it doesn't have to be the same answer because there isn't just one answer. So, you know, I have to even check myself with saying that. And so for me, sex positivity is one consent that's just the, the 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 basis of it and not just consent in asking a person permission to touch them or be in their space but giving yourself permission to explore what sex is for you like that has to be at the core of sex because i know there's a lot of definitions and images of sex positivity you know floating around the internet and uh a lot of those things are great you know but it doesn't always have to be this, you know, one particular kind of way or, and it doesn't always have to be like something tangible and physical, but like it, it definitely at the core for me has to be you giving yourself the permission to explore outside of what you've been taught. Like you just have to have the one, the willingness to say, I know I've been taught a certain kind of thing about sex, but let's, let's go deeper. Let's figure out if one, what I was taught really works for me. If I, what I was taught is accurate, because that's also a thing, like it's, it's some stuff that's just fact and fiction, you know, <laughs> like it's a lot of opinions around sex that we could debate, but it's some stuff is like, it's just not debatable. Like you just got to know the facts. Like you got to know the truth about that, you know? So, but, but some people just are not willing because they know that if they do more digging, then they're going to be met with challenging their beliefs. And that is scary. That can be very traumatic for some people to have their beliefs challenged and to also feel like, oh, dang, everything I've been taught is a lie. You know what I'm saying? Um, or to feel like the bad guy because they've been doing or saying a certain kind of thing that doesn't quite have the the, the positive impact that it might have thought it had. So yeah, you def definitely sex positivity is really just giving yourself the permission to do as you feel, you know, and have more autonomy for yourself to, to, to explore further. And uh, sex positivity is really just doing what you, what you feel is good. Like just doing what feels good to you, what is pleasurable for you, you know, that is at the basis of, it, you know, in a, in a nutshell. So if that means doing the busted challenge, you know, online or doing the silhouette challenge and, you know, and, and getting naked and shaking some ass, you know, that's that's it you know if that's if that's what makes you feel good and that that's what gives you pleasure you know it's definitely as long as it's not causing harm to someone else then that is sex positivity it's sex positivity to you is just saying well i want to i want to learn more you know I'm, i might not necessarily be a physical person i don't you know like to 
touch or I don't like to, you know, be, you know, show skin. I don't care. Cause I think people are, I, I, I've been saying that a lot, you know, that sex positive is all about just showing skin and, you know, being free and making a like That is a part of it, but that doesn't, that's not everybody, you know, um, sex positivity could, could literally be you just saying that I am a sexual being and I, I am, I'm comfortable with talking about sex with you know, these particular kind of people that I want to talk about sex with, you know, but having that openness, you know, so yeah, I think that it just, it definitely has to be openness and willingness to, to look further and, and, and look deeper and also to not project your ideas about sex to somebody else. For me, that's sex costing, you know, because there's a lot of people that are modest that, you know, that are waiting, you know, there are, uh, you know, for whatever reason, you know, they might not be as out there with their sexuality or their sensuality. Um, but projecting those views onto other people definitely is not <laughs> sex positive, you know, so, you know, so yeah, I think that in, in, in just knowing that there's a lot of different ways to show up in a space and, uh, but there is, is a lot of ways that you could show up in a space that might be harmful to others. And I think when you do start projecting those, your views onto onto other people. Um, even if it, even if you're the liberated and out there one, you know, if you're projecting your views about what sex positivity is onto somebody else that might be a little bit more modest, then then that can also be sex negative. But yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. So consent and you <laughs> having the willingness to explore further, and, you know, educate yourself more about uh, what sex means and all of the various things that comes with it. You know, like sexual uh, assault, like uh, street harassment, like, you know, stealthing, things of that nature. And then just not projecting your views onto other people and, and being receptive to to something new, a new perspective is, is sex positivity for me. Yeah. Well, I love that. <laughs> like that encompasses so much. Um, but I love that it had like you, you hit on so many different pieces because it's such a broad, um, I think it's such a broad thing that it's important to kind of touch on like there's a variety of things that can relate to sex positivity. Um, and it's not just one piece because people's comfort and levels of um, what is looked at as very positive for them can be very different. Yeah. So, yeah. And I love that definition and how not at one point in that definition, did you talk about sexual behavior? So like the act of sex being a part of sex positivity as you know, but, but really kind of what it means for you and what feels good for you personally, not the act of, of partnered sex, you know, or even just like the act of the behavior of sex. So Right. Yeah. Because there's a lot of people that are very sexually active and very free and comfortable with having sex that necessarily aren't that I wouldn't consider sex positive because it is subjective. I like mm -hmm. that. Truth. I said that, Erica, you know, but that I would consider sex positive because I feel like if you're if sex is being used as to fill a void of something, you know, that some trauma that you might be going through, then for me, that's not sex positive, you know, because at some point it's not going to be enough, you know, and, and, and that is how sex addictions can form, you know, just like, you know, alcoholism or any other uh, addiction with a substance, like sex is also a substance and a drug and it can be. So I think, you know, for, for me that that could be, that's definitely sex negative in a way. So yeah, it just, I think it's a more of a mindset thing than necessarily the action, right? Uh, even though there are actions that can be attached to sex positivity 
in, and that depends on the individual. And I think all of it is valid. It's, it's, a, it's an and both for me, you know what I mean? And not a either or. For sure. That's, that's awesome. That's awesome to bring that to the attention of folks. You know, it, it, it is the and, but it doesn't have to be the either yeah. or. So I have a question. So um, while we're all quarantined, <laughs> what are, what's some advice that you give to those um, looking to still have virtual intimacy or solo sex, because I know, again, you know, we're talking about safety. Um, and I love that you mentioned that, um, a, you know, it can be a healthy thing that's not necessarily related to being partnered. Um, and, and, you know, right now with, you know, there's some people who are truly in isolation. Um, what, what's some advice that you might give? Yeah, masturbation, masturbation. Woo, woo, woo. Yeah. <laughs> that has been, yeah, that's been definitely keeping me keeping me afloat. And and it always has. I don't I haven't had partner sex in a year, three months, and what, four weeks. But who's counting? Right. You know? no, no, not counting yeah. at all. <laughs> so, at all. Like, and it is something that I do miss dearly. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, it's not something that I have to have because I do pleasure myself so well and I'm just so content in other areas of my life, my career, my friends, that that is not so daunting for me where as it used to be before when I when I did you know, ha- didn't have a partner for a long periods of time mm-hmm. and I would go without sex. It would, it would just feel so excruciating. Mm-hmm. But I think because I have become so sex positive in my own way that I don't look as at not having a partner as, you know, not being not being sexually active. You know, I, like, I think a lot of people think that if, they, if they're not in a relationship or they don't have a partner, then that means that they're not sexually, that they can't be sexually active, that they don't have pleasure, you know, that they're in a dry spell, quote unquote. I hear that term a lot. Mm. And I think, I mean, I think if you feel that way, then that's fine. But I, I think I would just encourage people to shift their perspective when they when they speak about sex in that way, you know, uh, because I'm like, well, then what if you never get apart? Like that's a possibility, especially now with with you know being in the in the, in the Ponderosa, you know, it, you might not have a partner for a while. So it's like, are you gonna just continue to harp on the fact that you don't have a partner, or are you gonna try to do something about it and and masturbate? And I think a lot of the reason why people don't is because they, there's this aversion to masturbation because we live in a sex negative and, and rape culture because you know it's, it's considered nasty or it's considered weird or corny to like pleasure yourself you know and I know a lot of uh black women specifically that just cannot stand masturbation like it just it grows I, I've literally seen black women like just be mortified like turn their face up look so disgusted when I bring up masturbation it's so it's <laughs> yeah. so interesting that it has been normalized for someone else to have that kind of access mm-hmm. to your body, but it's almost been like, like you said, kind of taboo to have access to your own body. Like it's your, yeah. it's yours, it's, your body. it's yours. Yeah. yeah, that's that's why. And even some men that I've even met that have had this aversion with masturbation and tasting themselves. Like I found that to be so weird. <laughs> like when I ask questions like that to adults, when I do certain adult content mm-hmm. and even in certain talks that I've had and in discussions I've had with adults, you know, where I'll ask the question, like, what do you taste like? You know, that is a part of sex. I feel like it's a spiritual thing. It's also like a physical 
attribute that is very important to know what the taste, you know, because that can make or break a sexual experience. Let me do it. And just the, the looks that I get, like, like you would think I had three heads, like I said something really wild. I'm like, <laughs> that's a really basic question, you know? Like, and and so that has even been uh, something. I'm like, well, how you, how you, how somebody else gonna know that you taste good and you don't know if you taste good? <laughs> and good is also, I don't even know if I like that word right, that's it's relative. also subjective mm-hmm. you know it's definitely relative um but I think it's just important to like have that relationship with yourself and I always think about partner sex being the, the hierarchy you know like the top of the food chain you know it's great <clears throat> but it's not it's not you know it's not the end of the world if you don't have it you know and I think I want more people to just realize that especially in this pandemic like you have to like come to grips with there may be, you may be going without for a while. And I'm even myself, I've even had to come to grips like, dang, it might be a minute longer, even like I'm going a, a whole year and I am dating. And of course, and I think there is ways to have new partners, even with, you know, the dangers and the risks of it, there's precautions that you can take to, you know, have a partner. So that's like the, the, the bright side of it is that, you know, we have testing for COVID, <clears throat> you have the quarantine period that you can you know, quarantine. And, and of course we have the, you know, vaccine coming out now for those who are taking it. So that's a thing that to look forward to, to say, you know, there is a, there is a possibility that I can have a partner at some point, but you know, it's also really good to like, think about what, what if, what if you can't, you know, so you still want to have that, that sexual pleasure. You still want to get those endorphins going, you know, when, you know, when you have an orgasm, you know, you still want to, you know, have that release. And yeah, I think that's important for sure to, to just to keep you, keep you together. You know, it's, it keeps me sane, you know, I'm, I'm telling you, it keeps me from catching a charge most of the time. So <laughs> I'm going to continue that. <laughs> but I think self dates too, like not just even masturbation, but self dates kind of can help during this time too. taking yourself out yeah. on, on dates, um, doing, and then doing virtual things with partners or virtual things with friends you know that might kind of get that going with it's like a game maybe the sex game that you want to play that kind of keep that energy up uh, or if you do have a partner maybe some mutual masturbation on on a facetime or like a little stricty sexy dance you know or a sexy dancing in the mirror with yourself you know music so all of those things that you know are can can definitely can definitely help for sure i love that you made the distinction between um sex positive sex positivity does not automatically equate partnered sex because i think you know when we hear when we talk about sex oftentimes our immediate thought is partnered sex is you know sex with other people um so i love that you made the distinction that sex positivity is not only for sex with other people um and i think to erica's point around what is allowed or acceptable when it comes to masturbation. I think it goes back to what you said earlier about the Puritan culture and the modesty culture where sex was a purpose. You know, you have sex to have children. So why would you touch yourself? Why would you pleasure yourself? Um, I actually remember a sermon that my mom's pastor preached about unholy sex and basically where he said any sex that was not lead that did not lead to procreation was outside Mm. of the will of god so he said oral sex um anal sex any sex that could not lead to procreation Mm -hmm. was not in the will of god and he didn't get a lot of amens in that sermon he even said he (laughs) he even said Cast me to hell. Okay. <laughs> okay. And I wonder. I wonder how he reconciles that with the 
of scripture that says the the marital bed is undefiled. Yeah. Well, he did. He talked about that because he said, I know what y'all going to say. Y'all going to pull out this scripture and basically, but he connected it to another scripture that talked about um, what, I don't know. But the thing is, the thing with scriptures, you can find a scripture to justify Justify anything. anything, Because I've heard pastors preach differently around masturbation. I've heard one pastor say, if it's keeping you from fornicating, do it. And I've heard others say, nope, because it's going to lead you down the road to fornicate, so don't do it. And they both had scripture to back up what they were saying. So, But I think it, it speaks a lot to like what we were talking about before around sex and shame and how when you have shame wrapped up around something, right? So when you get messages of shame around sex and then you get this other message that says sex can be pleasurable. Those two things don't equate. Like, how can I be pleasured and be ashamed of it? Right. And so it's in that space of like being able to pleasure yourself or find sex pleasurable. It helps to decrease that shame that comes along with it of like, no, you know, I I feel pleasure when I experience this or when I do this. And so it just really speaks towards or, or decreases that amount of shame that you can carry when it comes to solo sex, when it comes to some of the things you were talking about, Tamika. Yeah, for sure. And I love that you uh, brought that sermon up April because I'm not Christian and I don't ascribe to any religion. So for me, it is almost baffling, but I, I grew up Christian. I grew up holiness at that. So, you know, and those y'all who know oh, about wow. holiness, yeah. you know, they, Very they strict, you know, strict. That's, that's a that's a two and a half hour day. It might be turning to six, seven hours, you know, that's yes. that's a Sunday. You got to have some stamina. But yeah, <laughs> so when I when I do hear, you know, religion brought up in, in its impact on sex, it's it's always funny to me because I can remember a lot of moments in my childhood and even in my early adult life when I was still Christian and still in the church that it's just it's wild to watch how powerful that influence is on people's individual lives you know and like they're taking these messages into their bedrooms and they're taking them into their workspaces and and that and that just goes to show just how, how powerful words are and how powerful conditioning is and that you really have to be careful with the platform that you have, you know, and that's also part of sex positivity, being responsible with your platform and giving, you know, accurate information about things and trying to the best of your ability to have an objective view about things, even if you don't personally agree with them. And I think that's something that people in general just have to master. Like I can, personally disagree with something and still give accurate information about it or you know try my best my ability to give objective view if if there is one like I can it's certain stuff that I can see the objective view in and even if I don't really rock with it if I know that it's not harmful if it might just not it might just necessarily not be my thing I can still at least provide some sort of opinion about it that is well informed you know what I mean and and healthy for those who may be with it that I care about because I want them to have all the options I don't want them to just have my option or my opinion about it I want to provide them with all of the opinions and all the options that exist around that topic so they can make the decision for themselves you know it's like because that is how we thrive is by having choice but because we live in this society we don't think that having choice is you know, thriving. We think that, you know, you adopting a choice of somebody else 
is, you know, because we think we know what's best for other people. So I love that you uh, brought that up. This, you know, made me think, you know, in, you know, going into the mental health realm of all of this is um, as we were talking about um, spiritual messages that we may have gotten or just any kind of message that we that we have gotten that we've, in, you know, internalized and made that, you know, how we then behave around sex and thinking about um, like uh, what what is the, the diagnosis? Is it vaginismus where women actually have have pain and Mm -hmm. I have you know in speaking with different people and friends and um, have noticed that there has been there's a large connection to people who have had a very strong like Christians you know um, upbringing around being taught you know you don't have sex until you are married and then maybe they've adopted that they haven't done it and then the expectation that that day I say I do switches something off in your brain and tells your body, now sex is good, go ahead and do that. But our brain is very powerful and conditioning is very real. And if we've been conditioned for 20, 30 plus years of sex is bad, you don't do this, you know, how do we expect people to then just automatically flip a switch and be able to engage and see something that we've been told was wrong or bad and now to see it in a positive light and just how contradictory that is. And just how, so how important it is, it goes again, goes back to that sex positive language and um, teaching and learning and training and how important it is regardless of, spiritual beliefs, you know, anything like if we took that off the table and look at how it impacts you on a mental health level, um, I I think that would, to me, that makes it so important to kind of shift these conversations and start talking to people um, really, because it's going to impact, just like you said, Tamika, it impacts your health. You know, sexual health is health. You know, it's all related. That's good. You were, Erica, that reminded me of um, how people think certain life milestones is going to shift their mindset. Like I remember talking to a lot of my male friends who were uh, indiscriminate in their sexual activities. I'll just say that. (laughs) That's a good way to put it. (laughs) And um, would be like, yeah, you know, when I get married, then I'm going to you know, behave differently. I'm, you know, I'm not going to do this when I get married or when I hit a certain age. And I was just like, do you know how habits work and how the brain works? Like there's right. not a switch <laughs> that, um, you know, that, that you can turn on and off that, you know, your whole life, you, this is how you have behaved in this area. And then all of a sudden you think you just stop in the same way. If you have had this very closed minded attitude around sex all your life, and only this, only this in marriage. And then you think on your wedding night, that is just going to now, you're going to turn into, you know, red light, red, what is it? Red light diaries, red light confessions. What was oh, show? Red, <laughs> di- red, red shoe diaries. Shoe diaries. Red shoe yeah. diaries. <laughs> um, so yeah. And I've actually talked with a friend of mine who, who kind of grew up, grew up in the church and, you know, was a virgin until marriage. And she shared that she had to work through, a lot of those those hangups around sex because there was a mental block 
there. So yeah. That's so real. And I yeah, think absolutely. I think that's oh, it's so critical because I think especially if you aren't doing certain things to prepare yourself for the change, for the switch, then yeah, it's gonna be definitely hard. So I think because <clears throat> I have some friends that and some associates that um have never had sex before and they're waiting till they're married. And I don't think <clears throat> that that is the issue in itself so much as the thinking about why they're doing it is the problem. It's like you're only doing right. it because someone told you that this is what you have to do. And then now you've convinced yourself that that's what you want to do. And I'm like, mm, but is it really what you want to do? I don't think that it is. I think you I think you want to do it because you were told that you have to do it, which is really not your choice <laughs> like you were just conditioned to think that and now it's hard to break yeah. the mold and then it's like but that's and then so then it's you're waiting and abstaining until marriage but like what are you doing in between the time like are you do you even talk about sex are you researching stuff do you like it's like no it'll just, I just know what to do and I'm like mm, no you won't actually <laughs> just know what to do <laughs> like I know you know where the parts go, <laughs> like, yes, penis in vagina, but I mean, it's more to it than that. And it's like, you can, you can explore and, you know, make mistakes and do trial and error, but it's like, why? It, it, it's so many mistakes that you make mistakes that you can avoid and so much awkwardness that you can avoid if you just talk about it and just look some stuff up and practice, you know, or, you know, like, I just, I just feel like it, it's, it's why I think you're putting your, your body and your mind through so much more stress than what you than what you have to do. You know, it's like if you do want to explain, that's that's fine. But I think that just completely not even talking about it, not not listening to other people's stories, not even like getting a confidence about yourself. Like some, I know some people don't even look at themselves in the naked. They don't even know what they fully look like naked at all. You know, um, um, like do you even look at your vagina? Like, have you seen what's down there? Like, no. I'm like, well, how you how he, how he gonna know what to do if you don't know what to do? Like, do you even know what you like <laughs> right. Like, he can't just ram it in there. Like, you can For be sure. Like, this some things can get fucked up if you just you go ramming it in there. Yeah. So, like, all of these things <laughs> is so important to know. And I'm like, if you're just not doing any kind of introspection or any kind of exploring sexually at all, I think that 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 can be that can be very dangerous honestly like that can be very very problematic mm -hmm. so um and i'm like yeah. you don't want bad sex like who wants that i don't think anybody wants bad sex uh and i'm mm -hmm. like i don't care what people say like ain't no man on the world gonna be able to tell you what you like or do what you like just out of off right. rip like you know like automatically a, yeah, yeah that's like, only it's, a, it's TV. Been a few that can almost get it right you know without you telling them you know but we know those are rare but even those you know that can just touch your body in a way or please you in a way without you saying much um it, it's just it's not going to be exactly to your liking because that person does not know you even if they are experienced like even if your partner is very experienced you know like they just don't know your body and i feel like if you don't know your body you can't teach you know and you just it's, i feel like it's just so much like i would have so much anxiety if i had waited <laughs> to marriage for sex and then like <laughs> nothing but i'm a scorpio i have to feel like some some level of control i have to have with with situations so yeah <laughs>
Yeah. yeah. And I think it's such a dis, like, it's so difficult to, like you said, if you don't know what's pleasurable for you, and then that expectation mm-hmm. that you have of your partner um, of pleasuring you, oh, right. when you don't even know what's pleasurable. Like, it's it just leads yes. to disappointment yeah. in relationships that doesn't yes. necessarily have to be there. If you can communicate, this is what I enjoy. This is pleasurable exactly. for me. Do this. Yes. Do that. Don't that do this. Mm-hmm. Don't do that. Yeah, and I think I was yeah. just about to say that. And I said that puts a whole lot of stress on your partner too. And sex can really be a, a deal breaker for relationships, and it can put a strain on relationships. You know, mm-hmm. um, especially because I feel like for 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 black women, especially, we have not been taught to. Well, I think that we we get shy and sometimes about being vocal because we've been demonized so much for being vocal. You know, we, you know, you get yeah. called angry, you get called, oh, uh, you yes, know, uh, yes. a bitch, you get called aggressive, you know. So when it comes, yeah, a whore, a whore yeah, you know, a slut, a whore, ah, you know, a all slut, those things, um, all which that. are words obviously that I gladly reclaim at this point in life. Um, but yeah, it's still a so in the so when we are in the bedroom or we when we are with male partners specifically, we you know we have that like submissive attitude kind of beat into our brains and so we don't we're not vocal a lot to say that this is what I don't like so I like that you said that Shari about um being disappointed because it's like we typically are you know like it's there's studies like only about what 62 percent of women that have sex with men orgasm you know what I'm saying like yeah. that's pretty sad it's a, it's big a huge gap, orgasm you know, gap like less huge. than that yeah and so like you it, I feel like it's, it's gonna have a lot of disappointment that's very unnecessary if you have a conversation um, and, and it's a lot of strain that you can be put there because you're gonna be unhappy you're not gonna be fulfilled but then you're also not gonna say anything you know and you just expect this person to just know what to do and I'm like nah that's not the case because most of the time they don't be knowing what they're doing. Men do not be knowing what they're doing. They are very clueless when it comes to sex and the anatomy all together, you know, like, so, yeah. And we don't have that expectation in any other area of our life that people are going to come in knowing yeah. like exactly what we like. Like if we go to a restaurant, we may have to tell, you know, the waitress, hey, can you ask the cook to put X, Y, Z on the side or mm-hmm. leave off the onions because I don't like, like we in every aspect of our life yes. we tell people what we want but when it comes to sex yeah. there's this expectation that your partner is supposed to automatically yeah. know um but it all goes back to yeah. you know us not knowing um what we want and just having really bad information out there like a lot of people mm-hmm. learn about sex from porn and they forget that that's acting like i remember this was years ago, Mr. Marcus was doing, was giving like dating and sex advice. And I was like, you're an actor. Like your partners are paid to act like they are enjoying. That does not mean that you are actually like this. It's not the same. So <laughs> like we, it's not real. Uh, and not to say that, you know, that sex workers are not talented, but it's not like, especially when it comes to porn, like that's a whole different type, especially male centered porn. Like it's very rarely pleasure based. It's all about the angle and, and what they think men want to see. So which is often not pleasurable for um for the woman on the other side when it is uh, straight porn. So I think when you tie all of that together, that a lot of our early information, when we're not getting it, then we're seeking or looking at porn for for tips and also for not sure. being able to say hmm, maybe I don't like the jackrabbit style. 
Right. Maybe I can breathe if I'm upside <laughs> exactly. down. Like, like you know, I'm dizzy. Like, what the hell? You're not even on the court. You're nowhere near it. Like, come on. It's a clip. It is a clip demic out here exactly. in these streets. Definitely a clip demic. And I don't like that. It's upsetting me and my ancestors. Oh my I don't God. like that. Um, I like that you brought that up, though, April, about, you know, not even having, you know, the tools to know what you like. So then you do have these experiences. And, in, and that's like, times two for for queer folks you know what i'm saying like not knowing what to do <laughs> because even they can't even learn like we haven't even been able to learn from porn for a long time because like for sure you yeah know, queer porn is like still kind of fairly recent if you think about how long mm-hmm. porn has been a thing you know in main especially in mainstream so it's like mm-hmm. a lot of like my my, my teens uh who are lgbtq plus they will be honest with me and say, you know, Miss Tamika, I, I try to, you know, learn stuff about sex from porn, but it was hard because I don't like wee wees, and I was like, I understand, I understand. In my mind, right. I'm it's, like, it's still very male yes, centered. It was still exactly. very. And in my mind, I'm like, yeah. if I want to be like, I feel you, child. I'm, I'm, I'm discouraged <laughs> that I like it myself, but thankfully, I have huh. options if I'm pansexual. Um, because yeah, they're they're nasty sometimes, you know. Um, of course, I couldn't say that, but you know, it's just. It's just, Let me tell you yeah. how I know sexuality is not a <laughs> exactly, choice. Exactly, exactly. Because I would have not chosen this life. Like, why you made okay. me to like men? That is just horrible. It's the ghetto is thing. I said I'm about to go to conversion right. therapy. And see if it works <laughs> the opposite way. The opposite. Flip it in reverse. Go to one of these Christian camps. Yeah. <laughs> dealing with these dudes, honey. Yeah. Oh Lord, honey. <laughs> Got to be another option. <laughs> it, yeah. it must be. That is, that is so true. That's so true. Let's be hardwired. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, this was a great topic. Um, this was great to talk about. And we really wanted to um, choose the month of February to talk about just different aspects of of love, of sex, of just positivity and all of those things that come along with um the things that we think about when we hit that month of February, you know, especially when people are like, Oh, it's the month of love. Okay. Well, what does all that even mean? Um, and so this was something we certainly wanted to bring and to start to talk about just like sex positivity and what that means and just sexual identity and all of those different things. And so, um, Definitely a great topic. Thank you so, so much, Tamika, for popping in and chatting with us today. Uh, before we head out or before you head out, tell the people where they can find you. Give them give them some some hints on how to how to follow you after you drop some great knowledge. Yes, well, thank you so much. I appreciate y'all for having me. Had a blast. You know, I could talk about this all day long, so we'll definitely have to do it again. Yes. <laughs> I love it. You yeah. can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Yase underscore underscore LLC. So that's Y-A-S-E two underscores LLC on Facebook and Instagram. And my website is YaseLLC.org. So you can find me there. And for all that's for youth sex ed stuff. You and I'm also available for booking for workshops. I do consultations with other professionals that work with youth that want to like incorporate sex ed talks that want to figure out how to be a better, 
I don't want to say advocate because advocate is a person that you're responsible for, but I would say how to be a better contributor and a better mentor, um, maybe so to speak. I don't know if mentor is a good word, but yeah, contributor for sure uh, for teens that, you know, want to have a better knowledge base about sex and how to do it in a in a way that is decolonized, you know, um, that's very specific to uh, Black teens and non-Black teens of color, LGBTQ plus teens and ways to do that. So, yeah, and I also do parent sessions. So we have questions about your teens and what they might be going through, how to notice certain signs and whether that is signs of like interest of sex or signs of maybe sexual abuse even, because that can be kind of, those two things can sometimes overlap you know, or just how to have a conversation with your teen if they're coming out, you know, what what does that look like? So I'm available for all those things all on my website. You can definitely book me there. And for all sex ed and sex content related to adults, you can follow me on Instagram at sexformationgoddess. So like affirmation, but replace the A with six and goddess, sexformationgoddess. Um, or you can type in Tamika because I should pop up too. So yeah, that's how you can find me. Um, and if you want to book me for a po- poetry, you can do that too. At Talks with Tamika on Instagram for all poetry related things. Uh, yes. Yes, Renaissance woman. She's doing a lot yes. of things, folks. <laughs> Twitter too. Things. I forgot about Twitter. Sex Formation Goddess on Twitter as well. Sex Formation Goddess on Twitter. Nice. And we'll link all of those things in the show notes so we can make sure that you guys can have access and find Tamika for all things, all things. related to yeah, positive sex and just like you said, Renaissance woman. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Well, we are about to go into our next segment of the show, which is to send one your love. And of course, this is the month of all things love. So we definitely want to take the time to identify a person, a situation, um, whatever it may be that has made you feel love. Um, and you just want to acknowledge that. So um, with that being said, is there anyone who would like to uh, go first? I'll jump in for the first time ever. <laughs> so awesome. I want to send my love to Erica, April, Tiffany, Jolena, and Karina. <laughs> My girl tribe, my girl tribe. I had some foolishness happening here soon, here lately. And literally I sent out a group message and was like, y'all, this is what's going on. And every single one of y'all of them just popped up like, what do you need? Like no questions asked. What do you need? Call me, talk to me. And so I think, especially when we're in this space of like just love and, and like I say, black girlfriends matter because we get so many representations that um, black women can't be friends and they can't be real with one another. And I got a tribe like no other. So I want to send my love to y'all. I appreciate you um, and just the ways in which you show up for me every time when I need. So that's where I want to send my love. Thank y'all. I love you. Yes, <laughs> Black women friendship is so beautiful. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, okay. Let's see. Well, maybe I'll go. Um, let's see. <laughs> um, Gee, I don't know. I want to send my love to, I don't know. I guess I'll just send my love to my family. Um, 
just because, you know, I think everybody was, uh, you know, hopeful that 2021 was going to look <laughs> a little better than 2020. And so far, it's, it seems like business as usual. Um, and it, it's continuing to get harder and harder to be away from family. Um, and I just kind of noticed that we've just kind of kicked it up a notch in just kind of reaching out to one another trying, you know, different ways to connect to one another's FaceTiming more, calling more, texting more, um, you know, because as, as the time goes on, it, it, it gets hard to not see and embrace your family and things like that. So I want to send my love to them just, you know, for, you know, our continued efforts to show one another that we, that we care, that we're here. Um, and that we love each other. So love you guys. Um, and just hoping to be able to hug you all, you yeah, know, soon. Yeah. <laughs> oh, all right. It's my turn. Um, <laughs> I would like to send my love. I'll, I'll continue with the, with the girlfriend's theme, um, two kind of two separate ones. Um, to my chapterless sorors, that was a name we gave ourselves because we had all ended up in Birmingham shortly after graduating and we were not, we, you know, had to find a chapter. Like we were all from all these different chapters and in the same city and um, was trying to find an alumni chapter to join. So we just would call us ourselves a chapterless sorors. Um, but they've been this, like, <laughs> for some ye- over 10 years at this point. Um, and we we gathered together because one of our girlfriends had experienced some foolishness and we had to do a video call. <laughs> and even on that video call, just affirming that that I received on that call um, in, in an area that I really needed and wasn't expecting to receive it. So it was amazing to get that that push and just like, you know what, I, I couldn't fail if I tried because there are too many people around me who would not allow it. Um, and also I would like to send my love to Shari. Um, and and reminding her of who she is and you know what what she is who she is and whose she is um <laughs> amen you know and, amen and of, you know everybody ain't worthy and sometimes we we get those reminders that everybody ain't worthy and that has no bearing yes. on how dope you are ever that's real that's so real yeah thank you girl that's real (laughs) yes awesome well as we wrap up thank y'all for listening i think today was a amazing episode so definitely if you get a a little bit of free time or not check out tamika staley on a lot of the links that you will see in our show notes um as always if you are looking for three psychs and a mic you can find us on instagram facebook um all of the social media outlets if you'd like to email us if you've got a question or a topic request you can hit us up slide in those dms or you can email us at three psychs and a mic at gmail.com as you're listening like recommend and share subscribe tell a friend to tell a friend about us because we are only as great as you say we are and with that we are gonna see y'all in two weeks holla bye <laughs> bye